Taiwan, a hidden gem, offers culture, excellent food, beautiful scenery, a variety of adventure activities, excellent family vacation ideas, and many other exciting options that will encourage you to visit. Stay tuned and be impressed. Enjoy the show. show. Thank you for listening all around the world. And I'm Chris Newton, one of the co-hosts. And I'd like to introduce my other co-host, Jerry Fuller. How you doing, Jerry? Fantastic. Wonderful. I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited today because we're having yeah. Roy Liao from Super Value Tours. But this is our guest nice. talking about a destination that I really like, Taiwan. Oh, Welcome, Roy. We're glad to have you. Thank you very much, Jerry and Chris. Yeah, um, yes, my, my name is Roy. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited yeah. to be here because yeah. um, as we were talking prior to this, uh, starting the recording, I'm a huge fan of podcasts, and I really love the work that you guys are doing. So oh. thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's great to have you on the show, and uh, we're excited about Taiwan. There, yeah, Could you so. tell us at first, Roy, a, a little bit about Super Value Tours, what you do? Of course. Yes, yes, of course. I'd be happy to. We are a wholesale tour operator based in Los Angeles. So we're an American company, and we specialize in tours to Asia. Uh, actually, Japan is one of our biggest destinations, but Taiwan is also a very fast-growing uh, market for us as well. It's a very new destination for us. We only added it about three years ago, but um, out of all of the countries we visit right now, t demand to Taiwan has been growing uh, the most, which is really exciting for us, of course. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of our colleagues here are Taiwanese, so um, we're, we also have a very special connection to Taiwan naturally. <laughs> so we're really happy to share that with our guests who go to Taiwan. Fantastic. And speaking of Taiwan, can you give us um, a brief overview about Taiwan? When would be the best time of year to go? and what it looks like because yeah, um, in most tours of Asia uh, which include generally um, if they don't go to China generally go like from Japan to Hong Kong Bangkok maybe Bali maybe Vietnam but not an awful lot of the normal tours that people buy go to Taiwan or include it and that's true so it, it's sort of a new destination. It is, and I've been going there for 50, ooh, about 45 years, and uh, maybe 15, 20 times, and absolutely love it. So could you give us an overview of Taiwan, what to expect when you go there? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so just as you mentioned, Dre, you're, you're right. Taiwan is certainly not in most people's top 10 lists uh, of destinations, if we're honest with ourselves. <laughs> Um, it's what we consider internally, we consider more of, of an advanced destination. Mm -hmm. um, usually people who are experienced travelers uh, would go to Taiwan. Uh, but what's really remarkable about Taiwan is the people who do have a chance to go, they come back and they tell us, you know, we had the most amazing time in Taiwan. It was even better than we ever imagined, and it was better than many of the other 
what most people would call uh, top 10 destinations that they've been visiting. Um, to kind of share a, a really interesting story, we, um, I, I had a chance to join one of our groups uh, early, early last year, and I was traveling with some of our guests, and it was really remarkable because we had one couple, uh, the husband and wife, they were amazing travelers. Uh, between the two of them, they both visited almost 300 countries. Um, the husband was a diplomat, and the, the wife, uh, he was retired, and the wife was a flight attendant. Um, so the wife had been to almost 200 countries herself, and the husband had traveled to about 140. Oh, uh, so they, I mean, they, <laughs> they were, they were yeah. remarkable in the sense that yeah. they had so much experience traveling, and, and they were such um, avid travelers, so, so passionate about it, uh, which we love, of course. Um, and then, so I asked them that, the lady's name was Diane, and she was really nice. And I asked Diane, I said, is this your first time in Taiwan, Diane? And she said, yeah. And this was near the end of the tour, and I said, well, what did you think? What was your impression? And she said, well, Roy, let me tell you, it was amazing. It was, it's easily one of my favorite destinations so far. And, you know, of course, that's saying a lot, considering how many places she'd been to. And I asked Diane, I said, well, Diane, what took you so long to come to Taiwan? <laughs> and, she, and she said, well, I didn't know any better at the time. So, I know it. Um, and a lot of our guests are seeing the same kind of experience, so that's what's so amazing to us, because, of course, you always hear people talk about Taiwan as the hidden gem of Asia. That's, that's a pretty uh, common way people right. would describe it. But it, it's really true. I mean, there's a lot of uh, truth behind that statement. So. Um, but, I'm sorry, before rambling on too much, uh, to answer the basic questions, the, a really good time to go to Taiwan uh, because it is a tropical country, would be the same as our spring and fall seasons here. Uh, usually around those times, the weather is not too hot. In the summer, it's uh, pretty warm, of course. Uh, it does get to be around uh, in the mid-90s with high humidity, so that's something to be aware of. And you can uh, also have a monsoon time, come shooting through. That's true, that's true. Um, yeah, in the like winter time, it, it, um, in Taiwan, it's mostly like Japan. There are typhoon seasons, uh, and that's quite popular, or that's quite common during the late summer. Uh, and then also in the winter time, uh, it's pretty mild, which is nice uh, because Taiwan is a good winter destination. Uh, it doesn't get too cold. Um, it does get a little bit rainy sometimes, but not too bad. Um, Taiwan in general is quite rainy throughout the year compared to a lot of other uh, countries. Well, that's why it's so green and beautiful. It it's is pretty lush. True. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What one really fascinating thing that I've always uh, found about Taiwan is because they're a new country, relatively speaking, um, they have been able to really model themselves um, structurally after a lot of other successful countries. So Taiwan is really amazing in the sense that they have a good universal healthcare system. Um, Recent uh, environmental reforms have also been uh, very popular in Taiwan. So nowadays, Taiwan is actually the highest, uh, it's the country with the highest recycling rate in the world. Uh, they recycle really? almost double what we recycle here in the U.S., uh, simply because they're so passionate about preserving the environment. So that passion about preserving the environment really extends into a great experience for travelers going into Taiwan because just as you mentioned, Jerry, it's a very lush country and the natural sites are very well preserved. Yeah, yeah Roy, Roy uh, do they have a lot of like 
national parks or parks you know designated for preservation kind of thing like for in the nature and all that they do uh, and one of the uh, most famous nas- national parks uh, that basically any Taiwanese person would would say you have to go to it's called Taroka Gorge and Taroka Gorge is an amazing marble gorge that uh, juts through the center of the island Um, you can access it from the east coast it's in a it's in a province of Taiwan called uh, Hualien and uh, it's pretty accessible from Taipei it's only about uh, two or three hours away by train uh, you can also take a bus there. Uh, so, of course, on our tours, we include Taroka Gorge because it's a must-see site mm-hmm. in Taiwan. And it's definitely worth going to. It's very beautiful. You can see, um, the they always say the marble continues to grow, actually, as the earth ships. So every year it grows by about 10 centimeters, which is quite a lot. Wow. Um, but yeah. once you step into the gorge, it's almost, I, I like to call it an upside-down Grand Canyon, <laughs> actually. <laughs> because rather than looking down into the deep valleys, you look up into the uh, granite um, arms jetting out of the sky. So it's a rather remarkable view. Wow. Yeah, very pretty. Hmm. But aside from the nature of Taiwan, actually, I, I really, I'm really fascinated by the people of Taiwan. I think that's... Um, for me, I think that's one of the most interesting things to observe and uh, one of their best, best resources. Uh, I don't know if, what your impressions are of Taiwan, Dre. Um, well, let me, let me say, uh, I agree with you on the people. I mean, it's a relatively small country, a relatively small island, but the different types of culture as you go east, west, north, and south, I mean, it's almost like a totally different world. And as you go around, and some specialize in pottery and weaving and all kinds of things, and the food is even different in different parts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for being so small. That is such a good point. Um, And the people are fabulous. You're hitting on a a subject that I love personally, (laughs) because (laughs) everybody in our company, we love to eat, and food is so important for us for any destination. Traveling and food Uh, is great. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The food um, is great. Yeah. But I wanted to share an idea with you guys. Sure. This is just a personal idea, and I might get in trouble for saying this, but oh. <laughs> I think what's right. so fascinating about Taiwan, especially from an American point of view, is you can almost think of Taiwan as the parallel dimension to China, uh, the democratic version of China, so to speak. Right. You know, so right. if China had become a democracy, then that would be Taiwan. Uh, and that's what's so so fascinating to me as an American to see how Taiwan has thrived over the years as as a country, as a society, as a government. But tying this back to what we were just talking about with food, uh, you can even see that in the food because yes. while Chinese culture, of course, is very uh, has long-standing history, um, so their food, of course, is very remarkable because there's a very solid uh, background there. But during the early communist era, of course, the country was quite poor, so food was not something that they had a lot of focus on. Taiwan, on the other hand, while China was still growing, Taiwan, on the other hand, was thriving economically. So Taiwan took the opportunity in the last 40, 50 years to take their food, to take the you know everybody's favorite traditional Chinese foods, uh, and really develop them with a very high level of skill. Uh, with very high quality ingredients and very high uh, techniques uh, in order to make the best Chinese food. So uh, in this, in that sense, it goes back to what I was saying about how 
it's kind of like the democratic version of China and the prosperous version of China. And you can see that throughout all aspects in Taiwan, uh, which I think is so fascinating. Well, the one thing that, well, the many things, but I'll call it one, is the way that it looks. I mean, the architecture. I mean, and the way the morning mist rises when you're in the mountain. I mean, you could easily be in many parts of China. Uh, If you closed your eyes and didn't know you're in Taiwan. I mean, the architecture, as I said, and the scenery and the mountains and the the people, it's like a modern day uh, modern China right right yes yeah. exactly and to me to be able to see having been to China before to be able to see that kind of uh, that kind of divergence uh, is really fascinating and, and speaking of which Jerry I, I know that you've been to the National Palace Museum in Taiwan before me yes oh I've been to Taiwan at least 15 20 times <laughs> Very good. Uh, I've been all amazing, over the place. By the way, that's, that's I mean, fantastic. I've even been places that most people have never heard of. I even went over one time to um, what some people call the Orchid Island, or I think it's called Lanyu, L-A-N-Y-U, if I remember right. And snorkeled. I mean, the snorkeling over there and the reefs and the, the fish, the multicolored fish, beautiful. Yes. I mean, there's, there's so many uh, things. I just love Taiwan. And uh, you know, one thing I really like about Taiwan is the transportation. It's I mean, very it, efficient, yeah. Yeah, and very modern and clean. And those the scenery as you go speeding through the country. And the it's different remarkable. trains yeah. that, that you have. Some go north-south, some go east-west. I particularly like the east-west ones because they go mm-hmm. to the mountains and the center part. But um, yeah. the roads are very, very good. And yeah, roads. yeah. Those are great points, and especially for people planning trips to Taiwan. Um, if you'd like to look into Taiwan and start planning your own trip, um, one thing that really surprises a lot of people is how complicated transportation can be, considering how small the country is. Yes, um, right. but Taiwan is only about a tenth the size of California, so it's quite tiny actually. Um, yes. So a lot of people come into the planning process of Taiwan, and they think, oh, yeah, it'll be really easy to get around, <laughs> which is, <laughs> it's, it's true as long as you do a little bit of research. The, the thing that uh, we tend to forget when we look at Taiwan is how complicated the, geograph- the geography can be, because there's a huge mountain range jutting out of the center of the island. Right. So rather than being... And it is huge, you know, too, with huge mountains. It is, it is. So rather than being, you know, flat um, surface like we have here in California... Um, to get from the northern end to the southern end uh, takes quite a long time because of the geographic features of Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as you've said, Jerry, they have their uh, new bullet train service. It's not new anymore, but it's um, it's about, I think, almost five, five six years now. Oh, um, but it's very good. It's very efficient. Um, you can get from the most northern tip to the most southern tip of Taiwan in about 45 minutes nowadays. Really? What used to be a day? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the day trip. It used to be a day trip. It used to be yeah. a wow. six-hour drive. Um, so now, you know, it's really easy to get from north to south. My goodness, um, I know many of our listeners will want to know: Is English widely spoken? Actually, these days it's 
improving a lot. If you had been to Taiwan maybe even just 10 years ago, uh, it would be more difficult to find uh, people who do speak English. But nowadays, Taipei even is very cosmopolitan. Uh, not only do the locals speak English more fluently, uh, but you see a lot of uh, foreign uh, settlers, foreign visitors who, you know, they've just come to Taiwan and they've fallen in love with it, so they wind up staying in Taipei too. Um, so it's pretty easy to communicate. Um, of course, there will still be some language barriers, but relative to some other countries, um, like China uh, or Japan, for example, you'll you'll most more likely find somebody who can speak English uh, in Taiwan. Is there an age group that would best enjoy uh, Taiwan, or would everybody? Or that's a really good question. For us, we have a lot of families traveling with us um, during the holiday season, but we also have a lot of older guests traveling with us during what we call shoulder or off-season. Um, and it seems to be pretty much universal in terms of the number of people who like Taiwan and have a really positive uh, experience when they travel there. Um, it's nice for younger kids because they have some great museums and amusement parks uh, and a lot of great facilities for younger uh, travelers to enjoy. Um, and their museums are remarkable. Oh, um, and o older guests oh. really love the luxury and the service that you can find in Taiwan because uh, Taiwan, as you guys may already know, has a lot of great influence from a lot of different countries, including Japan and China. Um, so they've kind of taken the best of each world and then integrated into their own culture, uh, which is really unique as well. Oh, nice. And I like the wide range of hotels that you have. And I, uh, as I said, I've been going back to many times. I love the Grand Hotel in Taipei. Mm. Uh, I just love it. It's older, but I mean, you know, you're in China. I mean, you know, you're not in anywhere else in the world because of the way it's designed. Yes. I mean, it is phenomenal. Yes, yes. it's a very unique landmark. Yeah, very yeah. iconic. Yeah, yeah I so, like it. So, for those who don't know, the Grand Hotel is a very famous hotel located in Taipei. And it's designed in uh, traditional Tang Dynasty architecture. So you have uh, the golden rooftops, and it looks almost like it was transplanted from the uh, the Forbidden City from Beijing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it a very does, unique icon in, in it's a right modern there. city. Yeah. You, yeah. When I look at it, you'll say, "Oh my word, I am in the Forbidden City." Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, absolutely. It's, it's, you're right. Transplanted. I'm sorry. Go ahead about the uh, Grand. Oh, no, no, that's all I was going to say. Is it's a fun place to stay in because uh, the unique architecture uh, makes it very different from most other hotels. Um, yeah. The location is a little bit out of the way compared to um, some of the other downtown hotels in Taipei, but Taipei right. is really easy to get around in because the city is very well designed, it's compact, and taxi service uh, really makes it uh, accessible for any location, so mm -hmm. you won't have to worry about moving around in, in Taipei because it's uh, quite easy and very affordable. Well, besides the way it looks, I like the Grand because of the, um, well, because of the location, because it's quieter. You're not downtown, mm -hmm. um, not feeling like you're in downtown New York or London or something. Um, That's true, but it's, absolutely. It's fantastic. But uh, you mentioned museums. I tell you, the uh, National Palace Museum is unbelievable. Do you want to talk about that just a second? Sure, sure. Um, 
So, Chris, as somebody who hasn't been to Taiwan before, have you ever heard of the National Palace Museum in Taiwan? No, I haven't. And I'm a huge uh, art buff, uh, like a museum. I love museums and art, and I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is one of the things that actually, uh, this is what inspires people to talk about Taiwan as one of the hidden gems of Asia, because the National Palace Museum in Taipei is truly remarkable, just like you said. I mean, these awesome. days it's ranked um, by most major museum goers as a top um, top five museum. Oh, in definitely. Really? In the world? Oh, wow. definitely. Wow. Definitely. I mean, it ranks with, I mean, it doesn't do quite the same as the Louvre, for example, or the Hermitage in St. Petersburg. But yeah. it's of the same quality, same wow. level. Oh, that'd be right. great. Which is really unusual for, you know, it's really unexpected for a small country like Taiwan to have a museum of that caliber. So there's yeah. a very fascinating story behind it, actually. Um, when During the Chinese Civil War between the nationalists and the socialists, um, the nationalists had control of all the artwork and all the wealth of the country. So Chiang Kai-shek, um, whether you like him or not, <laughs> he, he had a very interesting idea, which was to move all of the national treasures. And these are all of the imperial treasures of China, wow. which were collected in the imperial family for almost 5,000 years at the oh time. Oh my gosh. Jeez. And he was fearful of those treasures um, falling into the hands of the socialists. So in advance, he decided to ship, secretly ship all of these items um, and smuggle them into Taiwan as a means of preserving them for history. Um, So that's how all of these imperial treasures wound up in Taiwan. So if you go to the Beijing Forbidden City, uh, you might notice it's a a really remarkable museum, but Mm -hmm. it's quite devoid of any sort of uh, artifacts. it's yeah. quite empty inside the Imperial Palace. And yeah. one of the reasons yeah. for that is because they've all been moved to Taiwan. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Okay. The National I, Palace I, I, I've been there. I've been to the Forbidden City. Yeah, it was kind of empty a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, so for people yeah. who've been to the Forbidden City, it's it's a very natural pairing. I mean, you have to go also to the National Palace Museum in Taiwan so you oh, can man. see <laughs> the all of the <laughs> treasures that used there. to be housed. Exactly. That's, that's exactly. Awesome. What you expect to see there. And uh, right. the one, one of the things that I really like, and I know I better not even say because I would be wrong, but they have thousands of pieces of high quality. And do you remember, Roy, um, it's something like they could change the exhibits every day for like a year and you'd never see every day and you'd never see the same thing? Mm-hmm. Something exactly. like that. Exactly. The, the collection is so vast they can only show a part of it. Uh, at any given time. So they will rotate the collection every... These days they rotate it every three months. But they say if you wanted to see the whole collection, you would have to spend 12 years uh, to view the whole thing. That's how long it would take. That'd be a good vacation. I'll enjoy that vacation for 12 years. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) That's one of the reasons I keep going back. Because it is very impressive. Well, Roy, and just recently, actually, they opened the southern branch of the National Museum. So that's really? actually... Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a new gallery that they've opened in uh, the Taizong area of Taiwan. And, and, so and, now you only have to see it all in six years. Exactly. 
is it Roy? Is it really crowded though? To like, uh, do you have to like make reservations prior or anything, or, or is it pretty easy to get in and out there? Or is it... Oh, that's that's a very good question. So the yeah. National Palace Museum, because it is such an amazing think, place, uh, yeah, there are heavy crowds there. That's true. Yeah. So it's important to be careful about choosing the best time of the day to go. Gotcha. So. For our itineraries, when we design them, we always take these things into account because we want to make sure that we can provide our guests the best possible experience and to avoid the tourists as much as possible. Right. Um, so what we normally recommend is to either go in the very early morning before all the regular tour groups show up, um, or if you're willing to skip lunch <laughs> or take a light lunch, go during lunchtime because, of oh, course, nice. most of the um, other guests are eating during that time. Uh, and the last choice is right before closing time. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, so if you kind of plan, you know, take the time to plan out um, the schedule a bit, then you can really get a much better experience. Because otherwise, sometimes the museum just gets so crowded that all you wind up seeing is you know tons of people and you get pushed around. Yeah. It's like going to the Louvre sometimes. The Louvre or the, it is. Or the Vatican. I went to the Vatican last summer. Right. Yeah, it, was it is, it is. And, and it really makes a profound anything. difference in the experience because you know if you're going during peak hour then you really just kind of rush in and rush out you know you don't really get right. a chance to enjoy the artwork but if you do um, plan your time correctly then you have a, even though you're spending the same amount of time there you get a much more enjoyable experience in the museum right well before we end the program and I yeah. don't mean we have to end right now yeah. but I want you to run through um, I know you have mainly six and seven and ten day escorted tours which I think is a fabulous way for the first-time visitor to go to Taiwan. Yeah. To get. yeah. And um, I know that the six and seven day do different parts of the country, and the ten day does sort of like the round island tour, if that's what we want mm -hmm. to call it. And that's right. Can you spend a, a few minutes just giving us? Let's take the six day one for example. What is it like sure. to take one of your tours? Sure. Sure. Um, so I think it might make more sense to give everybody a quick overview of um, why the tours are designed and, and broken up the way they are. Okay. Um, we In Taiwan, we wanted to design some short tours because um, Taiwan is often added on as a stopover destination. So a lot of our guests from the U.S., they might go to Japan and Taiwan together, or they might go to Taiwan and China together. Um, so people, for people with limited time, uh, it's ideal to do a quick tour of Taiwan. Uh, but we also have a comprehensive tour, uh, which is the 10-day program. And that's really the best way to see all of Taiwan, because we will circle the entire island, uh, which is why it's called the uh, the Taiwan Island Tour, of course. Um, so the short tours are actually just individual halves of the, the same island tour. Uh, we have one that's mm -hmm. focusing on the east coast, and the second one focuses on the west coast. And the island tour combines those two tours together. So for the East Coast tour, we focus on Taipei and Taroko Gorge. Uh, Taroko Gorge is really the biggest highlight, uh, the most famous one, at least. So we'll stay in the Silk Space Hotel, which is one of the only hotels within the National Park itself. Oh, nice. uh, that really gives you the chance to enjoy uh, your time much more. Uh, you don't have to waste as much time traveling back and forth. And the experience is really quite different from staying in a conventional city hotel. So that's really quite nice. Um, but in, in addition to that, one of the things that our guests 
really love about Taiwan, one of the hidden gems, I guess you could call it, is um, the hot spring experience that we include on oh, this yeah. because a lot of people don't know Taiwan has really amazing hot springs as well. So, of course, mm -hmm. we want to make sure to include that for our guests. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love hot springs, yeah. That's a... Exactly. Yeah. It's one of the best ways to relax after a long flight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can just kind of soak in the hot spring and feel all of your, your worries melt away. So yeah, funny. after a flight, yeah, and going over. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the last major highlight that really that our guests really love about our East Coast tours will go to what's called the East Rift Valley in Taiwan. And that region of Taiwan um, is a great place to learn about the Aboriginal culture of Taiwan. Um, because Taiwan had a lot of um, Aborigines, uh, Native people, settling in the country before uh, all of the various iterations of other settlers arrived. So even before the Portuguese, even before the, before the Chinese, even before oh, the Japanese. Oh, nice. Um, you know, there were already cultures thriving within Taiwan. So um, in the East Rift Valley, we get a chance to learn and even meet uh, families from Aboriginal uh, tribes and cultures. Oh, uh, and one of the really special parts of this tour is we get invited to the home of a lady who is a descendant of uh, one of the tribes of Taiwan. It's called the Ami tribe. Awesome. And oh. she really loves to share all aspects of her culture with all of our guests um, oh, yeah. to um, exchange ideas and things like that. And so she'll cook for our, our, our guests and invite oh, her into cool. her home and we can have lunch with her. And it's really amazing because she preserves the old farm-to-table techniques of the mm -hmm. Ami tribe mm -hmm. uh, and integrates all of these uh, features into the lunch as well. So she not only farms her own vegetables, uh, and of course they're all grown in organic manner, um, but she even farms her own fish because they, oh, ha nice. they have uh, a small pond on their property, so they preserve the Ami way of farming fish as well. So it's really fascinating oh, to see. Oh, that's great. Mm. Oh, yeah. Very cultural yeah. experience, yeah. yeah. It is. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, and one unique thing about the Ami tribe is they were a matriarchal society, so oh. um, it was uh, women-driven, in other words. Oh, and in order oh, wow. for the women to pick a proper husband, one of the trials that the husband or, or potential husband had to do was they had to demonstrate they knew how to cook a fish well. <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently, that was, that was... Exactly. Exactly. They they had their priorities straight. <laughs> yes, they did. Particularly <laughs> yeah, from the man's point of view, even. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in addition to being able to hunt, of course, you had to be able to cook well. <laughs> um, <laughs> So what's really fun about um, this lunch is um, Ms. Lynn, her name is Ms. Lynn, uh, she will have her husband cook a, a fish for our guests so they can experience uh, his style of cooking. Uh, it, it's really unique. It's a very special experience that you won't ever forget. Oh, nice. Well, great, yeah. right? Oh. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have to yeah. get a visa um, for most nationalities coming to Taiwan, or is that pretty hard to, oh, like the question. paperwork it's, kind of, yeah? Good question. Good question. Yeah. If you're coming yeah. from the U.S. Uh, or Canada, you do not need a visa to oh, get into okay. Taiwan. You can stay up to 90 days for U.S. passport holders. Oh, really? Really? Okay. Is that m most European countries too, or, or just depends? Yeah. Kind of yes. yeah. Uh, most European countries as well. Oh, great. Oh, nice. Well, Roy, this has yeah. been absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Would you like to tell everyone uh, how they can contact Super Value Tours? Oh, sure, sure. Our website is very easy to access. It's simply 
supervaluetours.com. Uh, and our reservations line, of course, is always happy to help with any inquiries you might have about traveling to any of the destinations we do. Uh, these days we do Japan, China, Taiwan, uh, Vietnam, and Cambodia. Um, but uh, the phone number for our reservations line is toll-free 877-388-1777. Thank you. Yeah, Roy, yeah, it was great to have you on the show, Roy. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, yeah. I really hope that I was able to at least give you guys, give everybody some ideas and inspire uh, people to travel, yeah. uh, especially to a beautiful destination like Taiwan. It's really a fun place to be. So yeah. well, you, made, you converted there. Chris. <laughs> I know. I, I got, I'm going to talk to my wife about the Palace Museum because she's an artist, so so she'll love that. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think she definitely would love it. It's, yeah. it's one of the best museums for Asian art uh, wow. specifically. So oh, yeah. it's quite remarkable. And That's I've already cool. been converted, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. thank you again. Right. Yeah. We appreciate Jerry, you're going to have to teach me about Taiwan, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, let I me know. tell you, I've, I've been going for 40, 50 years. Wow. Yeah, about 45 years, as I said. And uh, all times, uh, I used to live in Hong Kong and in the Philippines. And I'd go up there and spend four or five days and yes. Then, yes. I've been over there you know, many I, times. Just I'm sorry to kind of get off track here, and I, wa- I really wanted to ask you this question. But I, I've, in preparation for this, I listened to uh, four or five other shows that you guys taped, oh, uh, focusing on East Asia and uh, the early episodes that you guys did. And of course, so I know I'm really excited to hear, Jerry, that you had been to Taiwan so many times. Um, and I know that you've been there, you know, even before anybody else was going there. So that nobody ever heard of it. In fact, they were yeah, always having yeah. it. When I first started going there, um, there was still a serious conflict between oh, China and Taiwan. Right. Oh, yeah. A right. very. In fact, when I first went there, now I'm going to get this wrong, but I think if you'd been to Taiwan, had a step, you could not go to China. Oh, okay. At that time, yeah. Well, That's true. Yeah. That's true. And yeah. um, so I know when I went to China, and I, you, Americans, when I first started going, Americans could go to China. And um, so I had, I went to Taiwan, well, I mean, I'm sorry. Um, Well, I I went there, and as a result, what happened is I wanted to go to China, and I had to get a new passport, because I knew I couldn't get a visa. Mm. Oh, man. So that in there. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to think how much things have changed. Oh, yeah. Um, and by the way, let, let me interject here. I'm sorry, sure. but I, I heard your story about I heard uh, Jerry's story about how you wound up uh, accidentally in China in, in the mid 70s. <laughs> right, and that, that to me is so amazing. That is such an incredible. Yeah, I spent experience. four days, four full days in um, Peking in those days, and uh, that is so cool. That, that is an experience that you have to treasure forever because nobody else, <laughs> at least nobody from the West, had a chance to do that back then. That's uh, but you know, let me tell you the rest. Of, I, I know, um, I know we have to. We're, the show is over, but I'll tell you real quickly. Uh, you know what I learned? Now remember, uh, there were four Japanese guys, three Japanese, four Japanese guys, and me. They were in coach. I was in first, and I didn't know they were there until we get there, and you heard the story. But when we finally, they said, "Fix, it's fixed, it's fixed." Uh, so we went out there to get on the plane, and they, the uh, boarding gate, 
Mm. And there are hundreds, maybe not hundreds, but there are many Americans there. No yeah. kidding. I'm, no kidding. And uh, I, my, I, my mouth dropped, and I didn't <laughs> say anything because I don't speak to Americans outside of the U.S. very often. <laughs> and as a result, uh, I got on first class, and I set my 2A, and I noticed there was a woman sitting just directly across at the window seat and right to the, uh, or whatever it was called in those days. And I was dumbfounded because I knew I was the only one for four days on that flight. Mm-hmm. It turns out, are you ready for this? She, this was her fifth trip to China. No she kidding. Was and wow. she was over visiting her son, his wife, and three grandchildren. And there wow. was a, co- a commune, a compound, an American compound, wow. with over 4,000 Americans living in China. And they were <laughs> advising and consulting with the Chinese government in the early stages of us being involved in their um, banking and um, economic rise. And yeah, over 4,000 Americans. And, the, and this was her, I mean, the, and he'd been doing this. Four years. Yeah, yeah, that's that's wow, that's amazing. And, I, that's, and it was that's terribly 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 and so I, I uh, called when I got home to get a new passport, and I said I lost this passport. I wasn't about to send it in. That's great. And so, awesome. Well, Ro, 